0: You are listening to the Discovery City Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about us, including our location and service times, please visit us at discoverycitychurch.com. We hope this sermon will encourage and build your faith as you pursue God, community, and influence within your world. Now, the message from our lead pastor, Caleb York. How many of you, when the show Intervention came out, how many of you watched that on A&E? It's not on anymore, but maybe you caught a couple episodes of Intervention. That show was a huge phenomenon when it came on. Obviously not on anymore, but a huge phenomenon when it was on. It, uh, you know, it, I think what the exciting premises about that show was that you saw these family and friends, they came together around a loved one who had an addiction, who had some form of issue. And what they would do is they would stage this intervention and bring them together and they would go over this thing. And, you know, they would try to help this person overcome this situation. They would try to help them overcome what was going on. And of course, it was shown all on camera. So you got to see every step of it. You didn't get to miss any of the action. You got to see this whole entire thing. And really, I think the reason that a lot of people really liked that show Intervention, the reason a lot of people really dove into it and it became a phenomenon was because, number one, because everyone loves an underdog story. Everyone loves an underdog story. They want to see someone who has overwhelming odds going against them, and they overcome them. That's what they want. And in that show, sometimes they did overcome it. I think others really liked that show because it was a lot easier to look at someone else's life and say, man, I'm glad my life's not as bad as theirs. Like, theirs is a mess. I've got it going on. I've got it together. They are falling apart. I think one of those two reasons really is why our country, why our world really got behind that show. But today I'm using this title intervention for a completely different reason. I'm using it because today what I want us to say, to, to have happen is, is I want us to really focus on a different type of intervention. I want us to focus on spiritual intervention. A spiritual interve- intervention in someone's life. And I hope by the end of our time today... That you would see the vision and the reason why God has put you on this earth. I want you to catch that this morning. I hope by the end of our time that we have had that kind of sight, that we can see this reason that God has for every single one of you. And for you to go out and stage an intervention for someone that's close to you, but far from God. And so this morning, I want to begin reading Acts, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 10 is where we're going to begin this morning. Acts chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. I want you to catch something right there before we keep going. Great things happen when God calls you and you say, God, here I am. Great things happen. Remember that. Don't forget that. Verse 11, and then the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, different Judas, Judas Iscariot's long gone by now. This is a different Judas. At the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in, lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who come uh, call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Then verse 16. And he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. We see this amazing story right here of Saul's intervention. Saul, who would later change his name to Paul, because obviously when you are changed by God, it changes you in such a huge way. Look, even Saul changed his name to Paul because God had changed him so much. We see Paul is the man who wrote more than 75% of the New Testament. God had changed his life completely. But before he began writing books in the Bible, before he was changed, he was hunting down and killing Christians. That was his main goal in life, was to wipe out Christianity. These people who follow Jesus, I want them gone. That was his focus. And so today, we get to see behind the curtain. Today, we get to see before his traveling, before he's telling people about Jesus, we find him in this story, traveling to Damascus, and he's not going there to tell people about Jesus. He's going there to arrest people who are telling others about Jesus. That's what's going on in the story but there's a huge change that happens in his life. We see this intervention that God puts into this place. And, and, and just as a side note, I, I think the story of Paul is just awesome. I love the story of Paul because the truth is we can all look at his life and apply it to ours somehow. We can all look at his story and apply it to our lives. You know, we can look at our past and say, man, I really messed up at one time. We can really look at our past and say, man, I have been through some major issues in my life. I have gone through some serious stuff. I've had to go through things that most people wouldn't understand. I've made some huge mistakes. Well, guess what? So had Paul. Paul had been there before. Man, we can look at his life. I love his story because we can apply it to our lives no matter what past we've been through, no matter what decisions we've made. We see that not only that Paul had done the same thing, but guess what? God took his life, and he used him in a great way. And if he can do that for Paul, he can do that for us. He can do that for you. He can use your life, no matter what your past is, no matter what decisions you've made, he can use your life. We see Paul, he's on the way to Damascus, ready to arrest Christians. And suddenly a bright light, it says, shines from heaven. And Jesus begins to speak to him. And he says, Saul, Saul, why have you persecuted me? Why are you doing this? Why are you persecuting these people? I want you to catch something right here in this story that most people overlook. Up to this point in the story, Paul thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. So many times we think he's just the bad guy. He's the villain, and he's going out, and he's arresting Christians. No, Paul thinks he's the good guy in the story. He's like, man, I'm taking out all these bad people who are following this Jesus, and I'm wiping them out because God doesn't like them. God is against them. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's doing what he's supposed to, but then we see God intervenes in his life, and he says, you've messed up. You're attacking the very ones that are fighting for me. You're fighting against them. We got to understand that Paul, in his past, in his story, before his intervention, he was an up and coming rising star. And he was, I can't even use this term anymore, but he was the LeBron James. We can't even look at LeBron as a rising star. He's a legend now. But I always think back to LeBron when he was up and coming, everyone was like, he's the next MJ. That's who Paul was in the church of Judaism. He was the huge rising star, man. He was the up and coming. He even talks about it in scripture and he even talks about it with proud of his accomplishment, with pride of his accomplishments. We see in Galatians, and I don't have the screen, but I'm going to read it for you quickly. Galatians 1.13 says this, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. He's like, dude, I was the top of my class. Nobody my age was keeping up with me, dude. I was burning everybody up, man. I was the smart one. I knew everything about the Bible. I knew everything about the the, the Torah, about the Old Testament. Philippians 3, 4, he continues and says this, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. He's like when it comes to the law, man, he goes, I was blameless. You couldn't touch me. I was on top of it. Man, I I, I was a grandmaster of studying the law. He had stuff figured out. Man, he said he, I was a Pharisee. The Pharisees, you understand, back then, not only had the Old Testament memorized, they could recite it by memory. I mean, they were, they had it locked down. He was like, I can recite it. I was the best of the best. He even says this, as to zeal, a a persecutor of the church. He's saying, I'm not just saying, I didn't just walk around saying I believed in God. Dude, I lived it out. I was hunting down these so-called Christians, and I was taking them out. And on top of that, guess what? It said he had zeal. He was excited to do it. He was excited about it. And then it says, as to righteousness, under the law, I was blameless. When it came to doing good things, no one could say anything against me. No one could call me out. Nothing. I was without fault. I was blameless. Look at all that I got going on. Look at all that I had going on. His life was a highlight reel. Man, his life looked perfect in the the eyes of Judaism. He had it together. But the truth is, we look at his story... And knowing what we know now, and the truth was he was just a genocidal maniac. (laughs) That's all he was. But we see right here, we see in these verses, what I want you to see this morning is that his whole story relates to you this way. That God comes into Paul's life. He interrupts Paul's ambition to change his life completely. He interrupts Paul's ambition to stage an intervention in his life. And the same way for you, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, there's been a time where God interrupted your ambitions, your desires, your goals, all that you were about. And Christ began to live inside of you. It changed your ambitions from yours to his. That's what happened. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, can I tell you this? God wants to start an intervention in your life today. He wants to change your life. He wants to use you. He wants to make your ambitions. He wants to change the direction of your ambitions and your desires and your goals. Paul's ambitions were interrupted by God's intervention. We see in this story that God, he taps on a quiet man's shoulder named Ananias And he says, Ananias, I want to use you as a tool. I want to use you to change Paul's life. And so this morning, this is what I want to challenge you with through this message of intervention. Today, I want to challenge you with this. I believe every single one of you have a Paul in your life. Every single one of you have a Paul in your life waiting to be touched by an Ananias like you. Who could that be? Who is that Paul in your life? Who is that person that God wants to use to do greater and greater things, but is waiting for you to be the Ananias in their life? This morning, if you have your service guides, go and write this down. Our first thing I want you to write down is this. God wants to use you to stage an intervention in someone's life close to you. God wants to use you to stage an intervention in someone's life close to you, I heard this story the other day, and this story is really outlandish. But you know what? The only reason I can retell it because I know the pastor is a reputable pastor. He wouldn't make stories up. But this pastor told the story as he was out sharing Jesus. He was knocking doors and just telling people about Jesus. And he came up to a door of a man that was really irritated, extremely irritated. He could already tell, and he began to tell him about Jesus. And as he told him about Jesus, this man became even more agitated, and more irritated than when he began. And as he continued to tell this story about Jesus and tell him that he needed a savior, this man reached behind his door and grabbed a gun and he held it right up to the pastor's face. And this man said, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, I'm going to blow your brains out. And this pastor, and can I tell you, I don't know if pastors are courageous or just bullheaded. But this pastor looked right down that gun at that man and said, don't you threaten me with heaven. Don't you threaten me with heaven. And that man was like so surprised that the story is told by this pastor. that The man puts the gun down and he accepts Jesus that day. It's like, who? I've been in ministry for 10 years. I've grown up in ministry. I don't have any stories like that. I don't have any stories like that. And for you today, can I tell you this? We hear stories and we think nothing like that is ever going to happen to me like that. Nothing like that is ever going to happen in my life. I'm not one of those super Christians. I'm just one of those regular people Christians. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just a regular Christian. You know what? I want you to understand something. The experiences of witnessing to someone for Jesus may not be a gun to our head. It may not be a shining light coming down from heaven, but can I tell you this? The results of the touch that you place on someone else's life, the results that will happen because of you just sharing Jesus, guess what? It is earth shattering. And it'll change that person's life forever. It will. You may not have some crazy thing where God speaks, his voice comes down and have this huge, big experience, but it will have result in a life change so much greater than we can even imagine. And today's story that we're looking at here with Ananias proves that. It proves it. You don't have to be this extremist for Christ. All you need to do sometimes is just to extend one sentence, one sentence to another person. Paul, he's coming to Damascus to attack Christians. But guess who lived there? A quiet man named Ananias. And Ananias, guess what? All he's given by God is one sentence. He's given one sentence by God. Ananias, go to Paul. Go to Paul. Mention this one sentence. And through this one sentence, through this one act of obedience, through this one action, you are going to change the world forever. That's all God asked Ananias to do, this quiet, simple man. And I believe that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe that God, through one sentence in your life, to one person that needs it, who needs an intervention in their life, it can change that person's life forever. The church, this church right here was made around that idea. We call this church Discovery City Church because through one sentence, you can help someone discover an authentic new life in Christ. That's our mission. That's our purpose. That is our goal as a church. Just one sentence. Extending the touch that can change a life forever. You know, so many times we want to play it down like it's not a big deal, but the truth is, it's life shattering for someone. It's life changing. My fear as a pastor, is that you would see other church planners that we're going to have come in in the future. Missionaries that we're going to come in have come in and speak, and they're going to share their stories. They're going to share what God has done through their ministries and how he's using them. And for you to look at them and say, hey, they're the ones spreading the gospel. They're the ones making this happen. That is one of my greatest fears right there, because that is not the way it's supposed to be. That's not what it's about. You may think it's all about them, but the truth is it's all about you. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. Man, can I tell you, God has called me to be the biggest cheerleader that I can be. To come up here and cheer you on and encourage you and inspire you. But guess what? If your idea is in, Caleb's out doing the ministry, you got it wrong. That's not what God called us to do. I'm here to cheer you on and inspire you and do everything that I can but you're called to go out and you're called to share one sentence and you're called to change someone's life. You're called to speak and make that touch into someone else's life. We understand the power of God always comes through individual intervention. You intervening in another person's life. It's not the church. It's not the missionaries. It's not about me doing the work, but you doing what God created you to do. That's what this is about. That's why this church is here. Through one sentence, through one sentence, you can change a person's life for all time. You know what? I hear people all the time, man, I want to do something good for God. I want to do something big for God. But man, I just don't have the money to go around the world and do something amazing for God. You know what? We have so many people that want to go somewhere else. Until I get somewhere else, until I go across the seas, until I go to some third world country, then I can do something big for God. No, 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 no. God's not calling us to go across the world. God might be calling us to go down three different cubicles and saying, hey, do you know Jesus? Or saying, hey, do you have a church? Can I invite you to church? Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to take a few steps and tell someone about Jesus. No one wants to take a few steps and invite them to church. How easy would that be? To use the influence that we have been given for Him, the relationships that we have, the opportunities that have been created over the years. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to use that for Him. He's given it to us. How easy would it be? Write this down this morning. When God wants to use your life to change the world, he starts where you're at. When God wants to use your life to change the world, he starts where you're at. Starts right where you're at right now. What are you doing with the opportunities that you have in your life right now? We notice in the story, this man, Ananias. Ananias. Ananias who went on to touch the rest of the world by touching this one man. And I want you to catch something in this story. It's something that so many people overlook. Ananias never left his hometown. Ananias never left his zip code. But guess what? What he was willing to do changed the world forever. It changed the world. So many people are like, what? It changed the world? What are you talking about? How did it change the world? You know what? I want you to catch this. You know what? You thought tomorrow was just another day at work. Your workplace is your mission field. Ananias probably thought there was nothing he could do in his town until God spoke to him and said, hey, I have something for you to do. You know what? You may think tomorrow is just another day at work, but that's your mission. That's your mission field. That's where you're supposed to go. It's time for you to start seeing that with your eyes and understanding that it's just not another day at work. It's not another day of just going and just making some money. That's your mission. That's why you're there. I tell you, I work at UPS. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not there. I I am there to earn money. Okay? My kids need to eat. They're, They're too skinny. Look at them. They're skin and bones. I'm there to make money. But can I tell you this? My ultimate goal there is to reach some people for Christ. That's why I'm there. When I go in there, I don't go in there with the mindset, man, I just gotta hurry up and get through this so I can get back to my ministry. No, I go in there and go, man, I'm listening. I'm looking. I'm talking with people. I'm looking for an opportunity where God can use me, where God can use me because that's my mission field. It's not just another day of work tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. That's your mission field. That's where God has placed you there for a reason. Open your eyes. You can intervene with a person any day, any time, any week, where you're at. We've tried to as a church here. We've tried to not make it natural for you to show up alone. And can I tell you this? If you've been here in our church, when we've had low attendance, it feels weird. Does it not? And you're like, where's everybody at? Because we want it to feel that way. Because we want you to bring someone. We want you compelled to bring someone with you. So first of all, you're not alone. And number two, because we want to hear, we want people to hear Jesus' name. We want to see lives changed. We want to see people spoken into, not from my words, but God's words. We want His words to change lives. And that's what we've done here at this church. We've made it. We're, it's not natural to come alone. We've done that for a reason, because our goal is not comfort. How can I tell you this? Next week, we're going to have new chairs. They're not there for your comfort. They're there because we don't want your guests, people you're going to invite in, to come in and go, man, these chairs are kind of uncomfortable. I can't even really listen to this message because my butt hurts. You know what? We're doing it because we're trying to remove obstacles. Because we want someone who comes in the doors focused on what God's word has to say. Our goal here is not comfort. We did not come into this new building so we can be all comfortable and warm. And I know we've even said it, hey, now we don't have to set up and tear it out anymore. That was not our main goal for coming in here. It wasn't. It's a nice perk, but it's not our goal. Our goal is to remove obstacles so that you can invite people in and we can tell them about Christ and that we can help them grow and we can disciple them and we can continue to grow as a church and reach more and more lost people in this community because that's our goal. That's why we're here as a church. Our purpose as a church is to help people who don't know God discover an authentic new life in Christ. That's our goal. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. For some of you, you see people on a daily basis. Your workplace, what's your goal? What's your goal for going to work? Is it just to survive another day? Is it just to make another paycheck? Or do you go in there with the mindset, I could be used by God to change someone's life forever? Is that your mindset? For some of you, you're going to go to work this week And you're going to see people living a life of normalcy. And can I tell you this? People are not okay with normalcy. They're not. You want to know why you're going to notice this? Because you're going to hear them say things. You're going to hear them say that they're not okay with it. They're going to come up to you and they're going to complain about their lives. Some of you, the wheels are starting to roll. You're like, oh yeah, I know those people. (laughs) They walk up to me every week and they have something to complain about because they're not okay with normalcy. They're not okay with just how things are going. You know what that is? That's an invitation for you to step in and intervene in their life. When someone walks up to you and they're moaning and they're groaning, they're constantly whining at you and you've kind of just kind of played it off as, man, why won't they whine to someone else? Why won't they leave me alone? Change the way you see it. That's an opportunity. That's an invitation to intervene in their life for Christ. That's what that is. We've got to change the way we see these things. We've got to change the way that we're looking at opportunities in our life and situations in our life because it starts where you're at. My challenge for you this next week is this. I want you to catch this. You're going to get a lot of challenges today, so just challenged up. My challenge for you this next week, don't come alone. This next Sunday, don't come alone. Who are you going to bring with you? Well, I'm going to bring my children. That doesn't count. All right. They have to come with you. You can't leave them home. Who are you going to bring with you? That's my challenge for you. Who are you going to bring with you? Well, you know what? They might reject me. You know what? They might walk. I might walk up and they might reject me. You know what? Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. I didn't stop Ananias from trying. Look at this story. God comes to him and he says, I want you to go to this guy that's killing Christians. Guess what Ananias is? He's a Christian. God comes to Ananias and says, I want you to go to this guy who's killing people just like you. And I'm sure Ananias is like, this doesn't seem like a good idea, God. Like, are you sure this is a good plan? He's like, God, this guy that I've heard about, man, he's caused some serious issues. And he likes to kill people just like me. Are you sure this is meant for me? You sure it's not meant for somebody else? Because Paul had a reputation. But God says to him, go. And it took courage. Not only did it take courage, but it says this. I love this in the story. This is such an interesting part that some people overlook. That when he went and he laid his hands on him, it says scales fell from his eyes. You know what the the meaning behind the scales in that story is? Like an ooey-gooey substance fell from his eyes. Like Paul was disgusting. <laughs> like, could you imagine you're going to this guy and you got to talk to him and you're going to lay hands on him? And like this like ooey-gooey sap is running out of his eyes. I don't know about you, but if I see someone like that, I steer clear. All right? I'm like, they got something bad. They got the plague or something. But we see Ananias comes to him and he has this goo in his eyes, and he's disgusting. He's gross. And I think for many of us, sometimes we think about our coworkers, and we think, we're kind of gross don't we i think sometimes we see coworkers. And we're like dude i can smell you all the way over here like when's the last time you bathed when's the last time you brushed your teeth because you got some plaque build up we think man they're gross we do that and the, pr- the problem is so many times we can look at a person and we think they're too low for us to even invite them to church And if I take them to church, they'll stink, and it'll bother the whole service. And then, you know what, no one's really going to be paying attention, stuff like that. So I'm just not going to invite them. No, no, no. Ananias was willing to go to someone who was gross, someone who was in need. And it's the same thing that we need to understand. The Bible says that a person means as much to God as we do. That person that you think is too low, that is too gross, whatever it may be, that obstacle that's getting up in your way where you're like, I don't know if I want to invite them because they're going to cause a ruckus. They're going to bother something or someone. God says, guess what? I care just as much for them as I do for you. Who's that person? We're called to be an intervention in this world. Once you accept Christ as your savior, it's no longer about us. It's no longer about you. It's about him. And we've got to be willing to take a step out. Though it might be hard. Though it might be embarrassing. Though it might be kind of gross. To extend the touch, we don't have to be perfect, but we have to be willing. Willing to extend that touch. We need to understand before Ananias met with Paul right here. We to understand this. Paul had already seen the light. Write this down this morning. God gives the light. You provide the touch. Ananias is just a simple man. God did not call him to go save Paul. Paul was already saved. God had already changed his life. God had already shown him the light. All he provided was the touch. And can I tell you this? God did not call you to go save people. He called you to go tell people. We can't save anybody. We don't have that power to save someone's life. All we need to do is extend the touch. I'm not going to stand before you this morning and say, because I've heard pastors say this before, That if you're not willing to go out and tell others about Jesus, if you're not willing to go out and extend the touch, that you really don't care about your friends and family. I'm not going to say that this morning because I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. I think the truth behind it is this, that, you know, I think you do care. But sometimes we think too much of ourselves. Sometimes we get caught up in, in what we have to do, and we think we have to change a person's life. That's not what God's calling you to do. God's not calling you to step into that person's life and change their life. He's just calling you to extend the touch. God's never called us to change anyone's life. He calls us to tell people about him. He's the one that makes all the changes. He's the one that does that in people's lives. It's not us. God has set you up in your Damascus where you're at. He's given you an opportunity to speak a sentence. And we've set this church up where, guess what? If you just get them there, if you just get them here, I want you to understand this. We're going to keep the light burning. That's our focus. That's our mission as a church. If you get them here, guess what? We're going to keep the light burning. We're going to share Christ with them. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to keep the ball moving down the field because we want to see lives changed. And if you get them here, guess what? Many will be saved. Lives will be changed. But you got to be willing to extend the touch you got to be willing to take those steps. I've seen so many come to Christ because guess what? Dad drugged me to church, and so finally I opened my heart, and God changed my life. Well, they came to work, and they begged me, and they begged me, and begged me, and I finally showed up, and it's the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. Can I tell you this? I've seen lives change that way. Don't underestimate the power of extending a single sentence to another person. I want you to catch this. What I'm not telling you to do is this. I don't want you to go out this week and say, hey, what's up? So I'm going to this church where we did this series called Intervention, and you seem like you could use an intervention So, because you're a sinful person. So you want to come to church with me? No? Okay. (laughs) Don't do that this week. Don't do that. Don't walk up and talk to people like that. It's one single sentence. It's one single sentence. Do you want to come to church with me? That's it. Can you come to church with me? That's all it is. It's one single sentence. It's so simple. Do not tell them they need an intervention. That's just for us. Notice how Ananias talks to Paul. Paul the guy that has this horrible reputation, the very first thing that he says to him is, oh, there's that stinking Paul. There he is. All right, I got to go do this thing. No, what does he say? Look at verse 17. says this. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul. He didn't say, please don't kill me. He didn't say that. What did he say? Brother Saul. And I love that because when he makes this statement right here, what he's saying is he's not speaking to Paul's past. I think if he walked up and said, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, he would have been all focused on the past of Paul. But what does he do? He walks up and says, brother Saul. And when he does that, he's not focused on Paul's past. He's focused on Paul's potential. The future that God has before him. That's what we need to do. We need to bring the light into a dark world. And for so long, the church has been a taboo place where people are attacked and people are ran off and they're pushed away. And today, many have a bad view of the church because of condemnation received by people who said they were called by Christ. We're called to be the light. We're not called to tear people down. We're called to speak the truth in love. That's what we're called to do as a church, to be the light. I'm not telling you to go out this week and have a deep theological debate and wear them down and finally they'll give in and finally they'll come to church with you. That never works. I've yet to see it work. All I'm saying is, could you go out this week and speak one sentence? Because that's all we're called to do. We're called, we're called to go out and speak one sentence. No condemnation. No theological debates. That's not what we're called to do. It's very simple. Would you come to church with me? And I've even seen people do this. And guess what? If you come to church with me, afterwards, let's go out to lunch and I'll pay for your lunch. Whoa, Caleb. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. I was with you at, let's invite him to church, but now you're saying you're going to take him out. We have to take him out to lunch. This is getting expensive. Dude, I'm seeing the dollar bills rack up. Can I say this? And I say this with lots of love. Don't be a cheapo. How much is a soul worth? How much is a soul worth to invite someone to come out and see their life change forever and just say, hey, we'll go out to lunch afterwards and I'll buy lunch. You might say, hey, you know what, I don't know if there's any, like, there's no promise of a return on that. You know what, that's not what God calls us to do. But can I tell you, I've seen it work. I've seen lives changed. I've seen lives changed for Christ, as simple as that. And you might be like, you know what, that seems a little bit extreme, Caleb. You're a little extreme this morning. I don't, you know what I am. I am when it comes to this because I've seen it work. A single opportunity, would you come with me? That single sentence could change someone's life. Do we not understand that? Do we not grasp that? I'm not just saying it as words because I'm supposed to say it. I'm saying it because it's true. It could change someone's life. That's what this life is about, to extend the touch that could change a life forever. That's what Ananias did. He had the opportunity to be used by God in a great way. And I can promise you this, if you bring people here, if you keep it, we're going to keep that light burning because that's what we do as a church. Paul's story is so much even cooler because what made him opposed to Jesus and his followers earlier on, guess what, made him so overwhelmingly for it later on. The things that drove him crazy before is what made him so overwhelmingly for it later on in his life. In Paul's life, I, I love kind of his personality because he was very clear. He was either like, hey, I'm I'm going to be all for killing Christians and not believing anything that they say. Or he was going to be completely for it. And I was going to preach it and be a part of what happened. I love that about him. He was either all the way one way or all the way the other way. He was never in the middle. He didn't just ride the, the middle of the road. Man, I, I love that. I almost wish for some of you that are here, as you've been coming to this church for a while and you've been a part, that I wish that you would do the same thing. That you would decide, are you all in or are you all out? Are you all in or are you all out? Because when you're in that middle area, you don't accomplish a lot for Christ. When you're in that middle area and just ride the middle of the road, it doesn't do a lot for Christ. Not only that, it can hurt the message of Christ. This morning, my question is this, are you all in or are you all out? Are you all a part of what God is doing? Have you bought in completely to be a part from start to finish? Are you going to start telling others around you? Are you going to say that one sentence? Are you going to do what he tells us to do, what we're called to do, to extend the touch? Because that's what we're supposed to do. God didn't have to use Ananias. He didn't have to. He could have gave Paul his sight. But he chose to use Ananias. And I want you to understand something. God's chosen to use you. He's chosen to use you this morning. Who's the Paul in your life? Who's the person close to you? Who looks up to you? Who's that person that God has given you influence over? Are you using it for him? Or are you doing what you knew to do before you even met Christ? Are you living for your own ambitions, your own passions, your own desires? Because God has called you to do so much more than that. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. We have one life. Who's that Paul in your life? Who's that Paul? I want you to catch this and then we're going to be finished. If Ananias in this story doesn't say, yes, Lord, our world's completely different today. If Ananias doesn't say, here I am, Lord, our world is completely different today. Do you understand that? This is such a huge point right here because Paul was the first person to take the message to the Gentiles. You know who the Gentiles were? Most of us in the room are probably Gentiles today. Anybody in here with a Jewish descent? Gentiles, you know what? We wouldn't have God's word today if it wasn't for Paul, because Paul was the one that started that boat rolling. Paul was the one that God, He even says in these scriptures, that I have, I want to use Paul as an instrument to reach the Gentiles. Guess what? If Ananias doesn't do this, if he doesn't say yes, Lord, guess what? We are without hope. We have no hope of hearing God's word and hearing His message. But Ananias was willing to say yes. Yes, he goes. He goes to Paul. And Ananias is like, you know, this is not a good idea. This can be dangerous. But he does it anyways. And you want to know why? And this is our last point. Write this down. God often hides potential in the least likely of places. God often hides potential in the least likely of places. Some of you, since I've started this message, you've been racking your brain for that person in your life. You've been racking your brain for who you're going to extend that one sentence to, to extend that one touch to, and invite to come. And I'm here to tell you today this. I want you to catch this. Don't settle for just the easy person. Don't settle for just the easy person. Don't. Don't do it. Because God finds the greatest potential many times in the least likely places. That person at work that you think will never come. That person that, you know what? Their whole life screams, I want nothing to do with God. That's the person that, guess what? God wants you to invite. Paul, in this story, we see Ananias, he's like, dude, there's no way God, God, there's no way I can even talk to this guy. He's going to kill me. You got anybody trying to kill you at work? No. Nah. He is going to kill me. And God says, that's the one who I want you to go talk to. Don't pick the easiest one. Because it's through the ones that we think are impossible that God finds the greatest potential. And only that, God gains the greatest glory when he provides, when he opens the door, when he creates that opportunity. So when you go to work, that person that says, no way, you're like, there's not a possibility that they would even go to church with me. Can I tell you something? Say something. Say something. Because when you say something, it it might just be the worst week of their life. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on in their life. And you thought they'd never be interested. We're all called to do the, to extend the touch. To extend that touch, it can change a life forever. God has put you where you're at for a mission. It's not just a job. If you allow him to bring the light, you can extend the touch and so much more than you realize this week this is what I want to challenge you with if you're here in this room and you're Christians I've told you this morning what you're supposed to do that's what we're called to do it's not an optional thing that's why we're here on this earth that's what we're here for we're here to tell others about Jesus we're here to extend the call come church with me we'll keep the light burning If God creates opportunity, tell him about Christ because you're going to change a life forever. If you're here this morning and there's never been a time where you've asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're missing out on the greatest change. You're missing out. You can come here and you can put on a show. You can show up every week and act like you got it all together. You can. You can fool me all day long. But guess what? you're missing out on a greater change. You're missing out on something so much greater. If you're here and you're a Christian today, have you been praying for that opportunity? I know every single one of you. You saw that face in your mind. You heard that name in your ear. You know who that person is because God's been speaking to you. But you keep saying, no, 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 no. no, They'll never say yes. All you're supposed to do is extend the call, extend the touch. That's all you're called to do. Have you prayed about an opportunity and said, God, if you'll present an opportunity, I'll take it. God, if you'll bring that person into my life, I'll extend the touch. This morning, are you doing what you're called to do? If you haven't, do it this week don't wait because you're not hurting you you're hurting someone else and you could be hurting generations upon generations whose lives could be changed by that person that you're going to reach out to can I do this I just want to pray for you I want to pray to God that he would give you the courage that he would give you the strength because that is what every single one of us as Christians are called to do don't forget that we're not here just to play church We're here to tell others. We're here to extend the touch. Dear God, I thank you for those who are willing to take this step of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to extend that touch. I'm going to extend that one sentence. They've taken the challenge to invite someone to see you do a work in someone's life. God, be with them this week. Give them the courage. Give them the words. Because Lord... They're going to be surprised by what happens. And through it, you're going to get all the glory. Lord, we thank you for Paul. God, we thank you for Ananias. I pray that you would use these people here this week to be an Ananias in someone else's life. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Discovery City Church podcast. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to help us continue to help others, you can give online at discoverycitychurch.com slash give.